Today we're looking back on the year in sports media. It's Tuesday, December 26th. Hope Santa was good to you this year. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Twenty twenty three saw some massive changes in the sports media landscape. Joining me now to look back is front office sports senior writer Mike McCarthy. Welcome, Mike. Good to be here. Great to have you. Uh, it was quite a year. Uh, when I think when we look back on this year, you know what it meant for the sports media world. The biggest story I think is the start of the fall of the RSN model, and it's yes. not gone. Most teams still have a regional sports network, but it feels like that whole thing is, is crumbling before our eyes. Yes, and in, in many ways, the traditional bundle for all its faults and all its criticism was the block holding this Jenga model together. And you remove those RSNs in the cable bundle, you're seeing what's happening. You've got uh, baseball teams and NBA teams without any TV deals. You've got some people going back to broadcast TV, you know, complete with rabbit ears as you've discussed on the, the <laughs> podcast. I mean, in, in many ways, it's it's back to the future. So it, it's been a crazy year. Uh, I mean, even ESPN, which was, you know, 10 years ago in 100 million homes, is now down to about 70 million homes. So every one of us in this business, Owen, is trying to figure out where is the bottom? Where is it going to bottom out? Is it going to be at 60 million cable homes? Is it going to be at 50 million cable homes? You know, the betting is that uh, it'll bottom out at about 50 million homes. Okay, interesting. So there, there is a floor here. It's not just the cable model will die, but it'll be, you know, at 50% of what it was before. Exactly. You know what I mean? You know, people who were saying that streaming is going to completely take over uh, our dreaming. You know, streaming still has its own problems, buffering delays, and the fact that, you know, we're having an older population that doesn't really comfortable with it, doesn't know how to use it. Uh, so streaming is, uh, you know, making huge leaps and bounds, but it's never going to completely overtake the cable model. There's always going to be cable TV. And thank goodness there'll always be broadcast TV because broadcast is still, you know, the way that a, a large percentage of this population gets their sports and gets their news and gets the Super Bowl. So, you know, broadcast TV will always be there as well. Yeah, and some teams are rediscovering broadcast TV as they figure out what to do next. And the other problem that streaming companies have is profitability. And I understand Netflix is profitable, uh, but I don't think Disney Plus is. I don't think um, ESPN Plus is. And it's, you know, supposedly there's some day that's coming when they will have enough subscribers and they'll figure it all out to, you know, to be profitable on a quarterly basis. But that for the most part, is not the case. Yeah, you put your finger on it. You know, show me a streaming platform that's profitable, you know, outside of ESPN Plus and a few others. I mean, this brave new world of streaming, nobody's figuring out how to make money off it. Whereas the old cable bundle was literally maybe the greatest uh, business deal in the world for cable companies and leagues. Everybody made tons of money off it. I mean, Jim Miller, the famous author, said that during like a five-year period, ESPN shot off something like $20 billion in profit, profit 
from having a dual revenue stream, which is cable subscriber fees on one hand, advertising on the other. So, uh, you know, because of that profitability, I don't think it'll ever go away. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm wondering to what degree Netflix, you know, just became such a, a problem for that model just because it made people used to, you know, you pay your eight bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, whatever it is. And then you don't have ads. Of course, now they do have ads, but uh, that's still, um, you know, they're still kind of easing them in very slowly. And of course, they don't do a whole lot in live sports anyway. But it created this expectation that, yeah, you, you just pay for this thing. You don't get every single, you know, movie and show that you want to watch, but you get enough. And and yeah, you don't have to deal with ads. And that expectation, I think, has made it hard to sort of rebuild that that cable model of you pay a whole bunch of money of every customer is paying for every channel and they they get ad money on top of that. Um, you know, everyone's trying to find their own way and figure out how to make this profitable, Netflix included. But I think customer expectations have changed too. Yeah, I, I think expectations have changed. And I think customers are facing the reality that this promise was fool's gold all along. They were going to, you know, move into the streaming future where it was going to be so much less expensive by going a la carte rather than a cable bundle. And there wouldn't be any commercials and you could just watch everything, you know, commercial free. Well, guess what? You know what I mean? You put together all the, you're paying for the different uh, streaming platforms. You're paying more than your own bundle and you're still seeing commercials. So, you know what I mean? They figured it out and customers realize, as I have, that I'm paying more than I used to and I don't even know what I have. I've got Disney Plus, I got ESPN Plus, I've got, you know, Max. I mean, it's hard to keep track of them. And I think that that confusion in reality is setting in for consumers who realize in some ways they were sold a bill of goods. Mm-hmm. So a few teams are, I don't know if pioneering is quite the right word, but they're, they're trying a new model. Uh, you know, the Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz, uh, they're doing broadcast over the air and their own bespoke streaming service. I'm wondering if you think that could be a potential model that kind of catches enough of everyone to maybe be something that a lot of these teams that don't know if they've got an RSN deal going forward, if they could look to that. I think it's going to, uh, you know, gain in popularity. Personally, I would love it. I mean, when I was a kid, there was so much uh, free sports on over-the-air TV. But I think of it more as a last resort. I mean, which is why these leagues and these teams are going to court trying to get Diamond Sports and these other bankrupt companies to enforce their agreements because they were getting paid a lot of money, a lot of rights fees, and it was a very, very good deal. And as you said, you know, switching from that to streaming sounds good, but it's much harder to make money and it's ditto for uh, broadcast TV. So I, I think if the sports leagues and teams had their way, you know what I mean, they'd go back in a time machine and put us back 15 years ago when we all got uh, sports through our cable bundle. Yeah, and we're starting, you know, this MLB offseason, we're actually seeing some of the effects of that. A lot of teams are being very tentative about spending money because they don't know what's coming in on the other end. You know, they know it's not going to be what they were getting in the cable years, but is it going to be 80%, 70%, 60% of what they're coming in? You know, maybe we'll reach some stabilization point in a few years, but... I'm actually not sure if if stability is is coming anytime soon. Yeah, the dirty little secret of sports is that most of their money comes from media rights fees. 
Everybody thinks it comes from attendance and live gate and, you know, tchotchkes and beer sales and hamburgers and hot dogs. No, it comes from media rights. I mean, five media companies are going to be paying the NFL $111, million, $111 billion through 2033. I mean, that's a, the, the economy of some countries. So that's where they get uh, most of their money from. Yeah. And speaking of of the NFL and of streaming, uh, Amazon this year did show that there is a way forward with streaming. I mean, they do it with, you know, the absolute biggest league in the world, the NFL. Um, but they last year was kind of the, the test run that went reasonably well, but the numbers were still kind of low. Now uh, they're showing that they can get something close to broadcast numbers on a streaming network. Yeah, I, I tell you, I've been so impressed with Amazon. Uh, this Thursday Night Football Package was anathema at one point. None of the broadcasters wanted it anymore. Nobody could make money with it. The ratings were lousy. The players hated it. Hated it. The coaches hated it. Everybody hated it. It was like, you know, the redheaded stepchild of NFL TV rights. And Amazon came along, and they're doing double-digit increases uh, this season every week. And they're literally almost to the point where they're getting broadcast-style numbers. I think everybody has figured out how to stream the games a lot better. You know, you don't have that kind of confusion and hesitation you had uh, last year. And then Amazon also came along and basically created a new football holiday, which is Black Friday. Uh, I mean, if you don't think uh, the NFL is going to keep playing on Black Friday, every Black Friday from here on out, I got a bridge to sell you. Uh, it was a big success and it's a, a great way for Amazon and the NFL to market products to consumers. Yeah, and I'm wondering if this can work as well with really any other streaming network. Maybe Netflix, I think, could pull it off just because they have such a huge user base. If you think of something like Apple TV or, you know, I mean, Hulu even or Disney Plus, they don't, I mean, people already subscribe to Amazon Prime because they want, you know, groceries delivered and that kind of thing. And so they've got a user base that extends beyond like, oh, you know, I heard this show's good or, you know, they've got the league that I, I want to watch. Um, I feel like to really put up those kind of you know, broadcast-like numbers, you need to have such a huge user base already that might not have come there to watch Thursday Night Football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Amazon Prime has something like, what, 100 million customers in, in this country and you know, 200 million worldwide. You're right. It's, it's just a huge base of people who are using it every day. And you know what I mean? That, that makes it so much easier for Amazon you know, you're on their, their app all day anyway. I know I am. I mean, I buy, I do almost all my shopping through Amazon. Uh, you know, everything from, you know, groceries to clothes to, you know, sundries, you name it. So uh, it's the easiest thing in the world to just, you know, click on a, a game. Uh, then with Apple, and this is why I think the, the MLS deal works for them. Apple is not like Amazon. Apple wants to control everything. They are like, you know, the controlling boyfriend who, you know, who wants to, you know, tell you how to dress, how to act, you know what I mean, what clothes to wear. I mean, if you go into business with Apple, they are in charge. Amazon, on the other hand, took football and they sort of outsourced it to professional broadcasters, the people from NBC and, you know, people who knew what they were doing and they put on an NFL quality broadcast. Whereas if the NFL was on Apple, Apple would try to be in charge. NFL is always in charge. Apple's always in charge. I don't see them working together because they both want to be in charge. 
Yeah, and you can feel that just from watching a game. You watch a game on Apple, you know just intuitively that something's different. It doesn't look like a normal sports broadcast. There's TNF on Amazon. It feels the same. Yeah, it's like watching it on CBS, right? Uh, or uh, or NBC, uh, but yeah, you know you, you're right, and, and I, I give credit to Apple for that. I mean, you know what I mean. They're a fantastic company, and they want to do things their way, you know. And look who uh, who pays the the piper, plays the tune. You know what I mean. If they're paying, you know, MLS all this money, then they should get to call the shots. And the other big streamer that that wants to always do things their own way and isn't just gonna you know show your your broadcast, you know, but just on their services, Netflix, they're only just starting to dip their toes into live sports and it's only Netflix events. Yeah. Do you see them taking a bigger role uh, beyond just these kind of like the Netflix cup and the Netflix, you know, the, every, everything's got to be Netflix. Are they going to move beyond that at some point? I do. Uh, I'm hearing that Netflix is very interested in the NBA, that Netflix might uh, try to knock off a piece of media rights with the NBA, such as the in-season tournament, which has been a hit. Uh, so I think 2024 is the year that Netflix gets serious and comes into live sports rights. And I don't mean the Netflix Cup with these little made-for-TV events. I mean with a league, a real package. And if they want to knock somebody's mm. socks off, they got to come in big. Overpay if you have to. You know, you're a streamer. You can afford it. But I think this is the year they come in hard. And, and let's finish up with that NBA deal. And right now we're still in the exclusive negotiating period with ESPN and Turner, with That's the right. incumbents. Uh, what are you expecting, you know, whenever that the, the deal is done with whoever they make a deal with? What, what do you think we're going to see? I think the NBA is going to go from two media partners to four, possibly five. I think ESPN and TNT are going to retain their rights, although they might have smaller game packages. I think Amazon, having proved it can do it with Thursday Night Football, is going to knock out a big piece of rights, and they're going to try to create a Thursday night uh, basketball, if you will, modeled after Thursday Night Football for the NBA. And I wouldn't be surprised to Netflix get its foot, uh, its foot in the door there, you know, with a smaller piece like the in-game tournament. So I think that the NBA, like other leagues, is going to follow the, the NFL model, which is the more rights partners you have, the more the higher your overall payout will be. All right. Well, Mike McCarthy, it's been a, you know, the the media world has been changing so much this year. It's been great having you the whole year explaining what in the world is going on. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. My pleasure, Owen. Happy New Year. That's it for today. We'll spend this week looking back on 2023 from a number of different angles. So subscribe and tell your friends about the show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.